What's up, guys? You're listening to the Wise Guys Podcast, Episode 6. We're bringing you some NFL content today. I'm with my boy Johnny T and my boy B-Cap. Guys, big news today. Baker Mayfield gets shipped out of Cleveland. He's on his way to Carolina. We're going to talk about the AFC South and give you a little preview of that. And one thing that I'm looking forward to the most, we spoke about Big Ben going into the Hall of Fame. Today, we're going to bring you if Eli Manning is worthy of the Hall of Fame. Yes, sir. We're going to wrap things up with a breakdown of our favorite wide receivers in the 2019 NFL Draft class. John, please kick us off. Baker going to Carolina. This is big news. It's about damn time he got shipped out. It darn is. Uh, it damn is. When I got the, the notification by Brandon from Brandon on my phone, I was saying to myself, this is kind of just like the newest thing for Baker. He's going to his fifth year, a fifth head coach, a fifth offensive coordinator. You know who it reminds me of a lot? Oh. Alex Smith. When he came into the league in San Francisco, perennially he had a new offensive coordinator's first four or five years in the league. He missed a year in between with a shoulder surgery. And I said to myself, it wasn't until he got continuity or consistency with the same offense where he could build that confidence where Alex really started to take off into a Pro Bowl quarterback. And with Baker Mayfield, last episode I was pretty tough on him. I was saying he wasn't even a top three player on that Browns team, which I do stand by. I don't think he was. But that doesn't take away from the fact he's an above-average quarterback. And for a guy in Carolina by the name of Matt Rolch doing everything to save his job, his seat is not just burning, it's like scorching. like It's, it's like melting, like the seat itself. He yep. had to do something quick. They've won... Five games the last three years. The year before 2018, they were at 7-9. They've been nothing but since the team was sold. Mediocre to well below average. And the quarterback position is nothing but a carousel. Um, they've had six, seven different starters in the last three years. Now adding Baker Mayfield, who are e- easily won the quarterback job. I don't think Sam Darnold's well, I got 20% job, one, 20% shot away in that thing. I think him just being in the offense for a second straight year is really his only opportunity of being out Baker. 20% may even be nice. Maybe like 10% for Sam. I think the talent's there, but the consistency ain't. Even with Baker coming off the shoulder thing, that's Baker's job for the taking. And for Matt Rultz, maybe his only chance to keep that job next season in Carolina. What do you think, Brian? Well, I am a happy man, but also... Disappointed? No, there's kind of some dark clouds hanging, too. Because... On one, on one hand, I'm happy for Baker, right? He's finally out of Cleveland, which was a complete mess. I think we can all be honest and look back on it, back at it in hindsight. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go again. Like, he's got the, he's got, he's got the um, offensive weapons in the receiving core. And the running back, obviously, Christian McCaffrey, when healthy, is a top five, top three running back in the league, arguably the best. Um, so, but the coach, coach on the hot seat, not good. This is like when Baker got drafted and Hugh Jackson was on the hot seat from day one, right out the gate. This is not good. Like Bad. for a young, for even like let like yes, uh, John said Baker's going to his fifth year, but. He's still a young quarterback, and this is like a whole new beginning. So a start over, a reset. And these qu- quarterbacks, I really hate in the new era, um, and I guess basically my era, since that's what I've grown up in, is quarterbacks get so rushed nowadays. 
like and, and in general actually play uh athletes in general they like all over the sports they get rushed right out of the gate like when you when you're 19 18 in the nba 20 21 22 23 like when you get drafted you're getting rushed right away like you got to be good right now like back in the day I, I just remember old heads talking about all the time like in the 90s 80s early 2000s whatever they would take their time like we don't see usually like what uh, Andy Reid with Mah- did with Mahomes spend a, t- a tenth pick I think in the first round on Patrick Mahomes trade up it, right he traded up saw the guy said this is my guy but guess what I don't think he's ready yet I'm gonna put Alex Smith in he's gonna learn under a veteran quarterback and then look what he did in his uh his basically first season I think he won MVP through 50 touchdowns 5,000 yards I believe mm-hmm. you don't see that nowadays you know what I mean. Like Aaron Rodgers, people forget Aaron Rodgers took how many years? Three, four years? Four? Yeah, yeah before he started a game. I'm, I mean, not started, but started. Uh, took over the reins for the Green Bay. So I just really hope that it freaking this doesn't happen again. Like it's not a hero. Like we, we, we go into the season, we go a couple weeks in or midway through the season, Matt Rule's gone, and we go, here we go again. I don't want to be in that position. You know, even before I get to my Baker point, just to echo on what you said, uh, San Francisco is kind of doing the same thing with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, they spent such a high pick on him, and now it seems like this year he'll be taking the reins. So maybe he'll, I'm not going to say he's going to be like Patrick Mahomes, but maybe too. They might. They might even. They might not. They might go with uh, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy G's still there on the roster. Yeah, they're paying him all that money. Yeah, but um, to Baker, man, I I really I don't love or hate this move. Uh, most of all, I'm more happy for Baker. I do feel like this is just it's just good for him to get out of Cleveland, maybe to feel finally wanted in a, in a, in a quarterback room. Uh, so I, I think it's a great move just to see him there. I find, I find it very funny that he's now in the same QB room as Sam Darnold, who he was being, you know, there were, there were questions on whether or not Sam Darnold was going to be that number one overall pick. And here they are together getting ready to have their own little QB battle, which should be fun. I think it's Baker's for the taking in the first place. But what I do love for for Baker is that he's not being traded to a team depleted of offensive talent. You have DJ Moore on the outside. As long as Robbie Anderson is there as well, you still have another big play threat there. And then you have CMC in the backfield if he can stay healthy. You know, and and John even mentioned uh, pre-show how they still have running back depth. So Terrace Marshall from LSU. Exactly. So they, they have tons of room to grow for him on the offensive side. Defense just needs a little bit more consistency. Offensive line needs to protect him. I mean, I'm not saying Carolina is going to win a Super Bowl, but if the stars align, maybe they can actually be in competition for a wild card spot. So it was actually three years for Rodgers he sat. He didn't start a game until he was 25 years old. Baker was going to his third year by that point. And I think for him, it was between this or Seattle. Last episode, we are talking about Miami, and I never thought that was in the cards. It didn't make any sense for him to come and be a de facto backup for Tua. Just because he had already overcome a lot last year, why would he then put all that pressure of Baker over his shoulder? Anyways, this is a terrible fit for him because going from Kevin Stefanski to Matt Rule, but also Bob McAdoo as the offensive coordinator. So another new offense, fifth OC. Beyond that, you're going from a top five one cleveland to one of the very worst in the nfl so the protection is not going to be the same for him and while there's all of those weapons it's the constant process of turnover after it just overcame a torn labrum like 
I can't imagine playing quarterback and constantly being hit, thrown around. You got outside linebackers like TJ Watt in your division talking trash to you. They're trying to punk you and all that. And meanwhile, you're trying to play it through like a torn labrum. That cost the Baker his job in Cleveland, but I think for him, he's got to recover, and he may not have the entire offseason to, to fully improve as a QB, and now he's being thrown into this whole new can of worms in a division that may be as tough as the ASU North when you look at Tampa Bay, New Orleans defense. And then I think Atlanta, while they're not, they're not a playoff team, I think they can surprise people this year. I think with Arthur Smith, the job he did as last year went on, the Falcons can win six or seven games. And I think this division doesn't have a... The ASU North, I think, with the Steelers maybe being the fourth of the Ravens or the Browns, it's a better division. But the NFC South is tough. It's a really tough division. It's it's all right. I mean, I mean, you gave more of the, the good points on, on those teams. I mean, you've got, you've got, uh, you've got Tampa Bay. They're the if so facto division champs. They're Super Bowl contenders. They got Tom Brady. They got that offense. They've got solid pieces on the defense. Um, but as far as Atlanta, Matt Ryan's gone after that long tenure of over a decade playing there, their quarterback, who, who's their, who's the quarterback that's going to start? Mariota. Mariota that. Okay. I'm expecting um, big things in Kyle Pitts. Second yeah, best, I, second have, best tight end for the 2021 but, NFL but draft. They don't, they don't have Calvin Ridley because he's suspended for the year. So, I mean, Atlanta, I'm not really high on. Uh, New Orleans, I like Jameis Winston. Um, he's coming off a torn ACL. Sean Payton's gone. Michael Thomas is coming off an injury. I think Alvin Kamara might be suspended for four games. You know, there's, there's, you know, so I think Carolina can easily jump right to that number two spot mm-hmm. in the division. I think they can easily be, I think they can easily be a, a, a seventh, the seventh seed, maybe six seed as the ceiling. I definitely could see that. I'm not. A, I'm. I'm just not a fan of Carolina's chances, especially. I mean, sure. Yeah, I guess they they can contend possibly for that number two spot. I still think the Saints can find a way to. Well, Jameis Winston can find a way to game manage his way to lead them to victory. But uh, I think we can all agree this is Tampa's division for the taking, and everybody is just playing for second. Yeah, but I will. I just want to say. I just want to say like. If you look at the NFC, right? So the NFC East, I mean, we'll get to our rankings down the line, right? When we go over all of them. But the NFC, I don't know if I, I only see one playoff team there. I mean, the NFC East, sorry if I didn't say the NFC East. I, I only see really one playoff team there. The NFC North, I think it's really Green Bay. And then I think there's everybody else still. Um, don't sleep in Minnesota. Minnesota? I, I was even going to say the one playoff team. You got Kirk Cousins, and I, I'm not a, I've never been a believer. I'm not a believer now. Is he not one of the 12 best quarterbacks in the NFL? He produces at that level every single year. We always sleep He's on him. numbers guy. He's a numbers guy. He's a numbers guy. Well, I mean, the back to the NFC East point, I think the Eagles and the Cowboys are two tough teams. And I don't want to harp too much on the NFC, but I do think there are a lot of teams to compete for. I mean, San Francisco, just in the West, you got the – the Cardinals, the West, you got the Niners and the Rams. West, I'll give you. There's three teams that can make the playoffs in the West, but for the other two divisions, I, I can't. I can't. I mean, we'll get to it, but I can't give you NFC East and NFC North. I think you're sleeping on the Eagles and the Cowboys. Those are two playoff teams. No, Cowboys. I agree. They're. Go- I mean, I, that's why I say I don't want to get into it right now. Yeah. We will. Cowboys. I believe. Spoiler. They're going to win that division, in my opinion. 
We'll talk about that in a future EP. Well, since we're talking about the the AFC South, I mean AFC, yeah, NFC South. South. That, yeah, no, no, no. NFC. We're talking about the NFC South, so we're talking about a a division that's Tampa's for the taking. Let's talk about the AFC South because right now I think we can all agree the Colts have that one for the taking. I feel like we're just going to debate who's two, three, and four. Really? You don't think the Titans have a, a chance? Because to me, I think Tennessee, they have the, the highest floor of those teams. I look at the Colts, I think they got the, the highest ceiling. I uh-huh. think they can go the furthest. And while we're talking about the Colts, they've got two rookies who I'm really keeping an eye on. Nick Cross, safety out of Maryland. And then out of Cincinnati, wide receiver Alec Pierce. If those two rookies can step right in and start for the Colts and be legitimate starters, real starters for them this year, I don't think there's, Brandon, you're talking about this in the other episode. I think it was our first NFL one. This team may not have a weakness. Their front seven with Gus Bradley is going to be insane. They acquire Yannick Nagakwe. Did I pronounce that right? Yes, you did. They had to move Rocky. I was doing it before the show. I was, I was preparing, fellas, with, with my two boys. They had to move Rocky Sin to make that happen. They lose the starting corner, and there's a little bit of lack of death uh, in, the, in the back end, but that front seven is scary. And then you look at Michael Pittman Jr. going to his third year. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets north of 1,200 yards. You know what Jonathan Taylor is. The offensive line, you got Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, of course. How can I mention him first? You extend Moali Cox, and I think most importantly, you go from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. Speaking of numbers, guys, Carson Wentz is a great example of that, but he, he wasn't right for this offense. He's a guy that can't make the simple play so often, and he goes to the home run. Now you have a guy in Matt Ryan who's older, he's more mature, he's a better quarterback, he's one you could trust. Matt Ryan can make the simple play. He's not going to kill you in the moments where you need him to be clutch. Carson Wentz, you know, all of us, I'm sure, have anxiety, we, we get jittery, he gets the jitters, and he's not a quarterback you can win a Super Bowl with. We've seen that. With Matt Ryan, he's a quarterback that's brought him to a Super Bowl. Former NFL MVP. He's not at that same level, of course, but he's got that experience. He's shown the ability to do that. Now you supply him with all the talent in the running back room. This team just farms that position. Uh, it's insane. You know they added in uh, Tyson Williams from the Ravens and also Philip Lindsay? It's kind of crazy. Williams was good last year for Baltimore. I think it was over five yards a carry. He's like their fourth running back. And... You got Jonathan Taylor, of course, but you also got Naeem Hines. I mean, Hines is one of the best receiving backs. So is yep. Taylor. Yep. I think the tight end position is awesome. They draft the tight end, too. Forget blank on his name on top of my head. I look at this Indianapolis team and I say, because a few weeks ago, I think it was last week, their safety, former fourth-round pick, he retired out of nowhere, I think, to become a minister. Uh, and all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, now we have a halt at safety. If Nick Cross can step in and start right there, you add in Stephon Gilmore. You have Kenny Moore, a, a, a pro bowler at corner. You have the linebackers. The defense is insane, man. And I say to myself, yeah, Indianapolis has it. But if Matt Ryan goes down, your quarterback's Nick Foles, eh, I, I trust Tennessee with my agreeable because I'm a Steelers fan. There's a culture there in Tennessee. And I know with them, the floor is always going to be very high. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Colts, man. I really love what they're doing there. I think they were... A good quarterback away from potentially being a Super Bowl favorite. Carson Wentz not a good quarterback. <laughs> First off, he was three touchdowns, nine interceptions. I think it was, dude. Come on. He was actually my fantasy quarterback, and not because I wanted to. It's just because I took too long to draft a quarterback. Huh. But Jonathan Taylor carried my team. But 
Looking at the Colts squad right now, I, I love what they're working with. I love Matt Ryan being plugged in there. You get that real veteran presence. He's not going to make mistakes. You're not going to lose because of the guy. Nine times out of ten, he's going to be the guy that's helping you win the game. He makes great throws. He still has a cannon for an arm. He still delivers the ball with precise accuracy. I think you pair that with the receivers there. I would love to see Paris Campbell finally be healthy for the Colts. That's speed on the outside. And it's it's so deadly, but I've, we haven't seen it for, what, now two seasons now that he's Three. been out? Three. So I'd love to see that team just stay healthy because if they are, I really think that we might be looking at an AFC favorite for a Super Bowl. Stephon Gilmore is no joke, man. He's still – I mean, our, uh, huh? Speak to us. You're making funny faces over there. I want to hear you. What's up with these funny faces? Nah, well, just just, just, what Justin just said. Sorry, tongue twister. What Justin just said, uh, Indianapolis Colts as a uh, AFC favorite. Potentially. I'm not saying they are. I'm still rolling with Buffalo. But I'm saying they definitely can compete for it. Yeah. All right. I guess I won't. I won't argue with that. You're they hyping them up the other week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I started sleeping on it and thinking about it, and I was like, eh. I mean, when we get to our our uh, reevaluating those picks in late, oh, late already on, out on we'll, we'll, I'll probably be making some changes. But um, yeah, the Colts, I definitely see winning this division. Um, for all the points you guys just made, I mean, I think the only thing you guys probably didn't really touch on is. I mean, the O-line is outstanding in Indianapolis. I mean, you got Quentin Nelson, probably the best offensive lineman, arguably the best offensive lineman in the game. Um, you got Ryan Allen at center. He's a – Kelly. He's a, what other, ge- other generic last name. You said what Allen. Said? You said Allen. They're all Ryan generic Allen. last names. You're thinking about the punter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ryan Kelly, who's this, uh, who made a second-team All-Pro. Uh, so, yeah, the O-line there is really good. Uh, Tennessee, I I see coming in second. I think they've just uh, they've taken a step back. I think have they? I do. I mean, I think I think honestly, I think Ryan Tannehill showed you guys what he truly is last year. That 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 the year before Mun was was fluky. He's not that guy. He's, he 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 did a um a sleight of hand. He's not that guy. So I I just don't see it. In Tennessee, I see the Colts coming out making the playoffs. I don't really know. I don't think Tennessee is going to make the playoffs. Um, Jacksonville is still a couple years away, even though I really liked. Uh, but, but stick Martin. on the, but stick on the t- Titans but, real quick. They had a lot of turnover this offseason. The biggest thing I said, really, kind of like really, that almost as if like they definitely did take a step back. My reaction there is a little bit like they were the first last year. What eleven wins, twelve. I look at this team and I say, you lose A.J. Brown and you can't replace him. Second best receiver they've ever had. George, I think people are saying on Twitter yeah, that A.J. was saying, I wasn't checking, that he was the best receiver in the franchise history. George Mason clears that the longevity he had, I think it was six years, like four 1,000-yard seasons. And he was, did I say George Mason? Yeah, I meant Derek Mason. My apologies to our Titan fans. Mike, get on me. We're all (laughs) fumbling names. We can't speak over here. Um, AJ Brown is the next best receiver though. They haven't had many in the last 20 years that are truly elite game changers. And for AJ Brown, 1000 yards in back-to-back seasons last year, missed some time. That was the only reason why I didn't get that. 
you can't replace him with Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks can be a similar scheme fit. He can work well. We also lose Julio Jones, too. And I, I think for them, now you're relying on all these new receivers that come on in. You lose two starting offensive linemen and Roger Saffold. Um, not to mention Anthony Ferkser. You're switching tight ends. They lost two of their starters. Looking at my notes, I think I left out. I'm looking at the raw notes. That's why. Hooper. Yeah, they add in Austin Hooper. And then, of course, you trade for Robert. That is the point I want to touch on. You trade for Robert Woods. He's coming off a torn ACL. And there's there's a good chance coming off of that he's going to be the receiver number one. I think for them, you get Derrick Henry back. His carries probably won't be as much, hopefully. But even still, he is what makes that offense go. He is the right dandy. Though they replaced him well last year, you just get that player back who has the absolute game-changing in, in an instant. You go from... 20 carries, 25, that 26 carries going off for 60 yards to the house. I think his big play potential, you add that back into the mix. That is the X factor for Tennessee that they were missing in points of last year. They didn't quite have that. So so getting that back during the season, I was talking about Mike Grable before. When it comes to culture and just being able to get the most out of his players through injuries, this team can weather the storm better than the most teams in the league. And that's why, to me, I think there's no chance they have a losing record. They know what works. They have the identity or the blueprint more specifically. And for as long as they stick to that with Henry, Ryan Tannehill, he's sure he's limited and he probably can't win a Super Bowl with him, but he's more than enough to get you to the playoffs. He's done it for four years now in his career. I say to myself, with the identity they have built, this to me is easily a shoe win for nine or 10 wins. But the AFC's tough. Will he be able to win the important games late in December? That will be what decides whether or not they get into the playoffs or not. And that was going to be my point too. Is that listen, this AFC is tough when you look at when you look at it. I mean, we just went over the AFC uh, West. I I think there's a chance three teams are coming out for the playoffs in that division. Mm-hmm. There's a real chance for that. Um, we talked about your AFC North. Um, I think uh, uh, Bengals are definitely making the playoffs, and I think um, the Ravens could get in. So yeah. that's what's that five teams right there yeah if, if, if what i say is right and then i think the colts are going and then we'll see about the afc when we talk about them next um i just don't think the titans and then even if you take one of the teams out of the afc west i think there, there's a better chance of two teams coming out of the afc east than there are the afc south i, I just think looking at the titans offense i think they lost a lot of explosiveness when you go from a room that had A.J. Brown and future Hall of Famer Julio Jones, now granted Julio wasn't healthy, uh, when you lose that, I don't think you improved. I think you just got worse. Janoris and- Jenkins, too, was another guy in that defense. That was one of their biggest – him and Rashawn Evans, two starters that you can count as true starters to add on to. You. Sorry for yeah. cutting you off there. No, 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 it's cool. But I, I'm with you. I just don't feel like the Titans really, really have the firepower. And I stand with Brandon when I say I don't think Ryan Tannehill is good enough. And, and I'm a fan. I, I support him. I, I love the story when he when he hopped in as a starter. And unfortunately, he took my Patriots out of the playoffs, too. But I think we've learned from the playoff games that we've seen them in. It's, yo, just make Ryan Tannehill try to beat you with his arm because he won't. You know, it's a it, Derrick Henry cannot run the way he's running in the regular season in the postseason. They're not going to let him. So 
without those weapons on the outside, I don't think there's a big difference between the Titans, the Texans, and the Jaguars. I think second place is up for grabs. And in fact, I love the Jaguars this year. Yeah, I I love them. And and it may sound crazy, but I think it's Trevor Lawrence is going to take a big second year leap. Who's DJ Chark? DJ Chark is really never healthy. They add Christian Kirk. They add Zay Jones on offense as well. He has weapons. Evan Ingram. There we go. Evan Ingram. Travis Etienne is going to be healthy. Yeah. The backfield. I don't think the Jaguars are going to be a bad team next year. While, yeah, they'll still be growing pains because they're probably one of the youngest teams in the league. But right now, I got the Colts one. Call me crazy. I'm going Jags too. Well, you didn't mention the biggest thing. That is the head coach not being Urban Meyer. Doug Peterson is in in itself. As long as you have an NFL-capable head coach, positive. Right, and Doug Peterson, who has experience building a contender in Philadelphia, boom, you went from a total incompetent head coach that has no clue how to run an NFL team around sport to one of the better coaches in the game that has the experience and the pedigree showing, I can do this, I'm a former quarterback in the NFL. Brian, go. Um, so, yeah, I just want to jump off of what Justin was saying. I mean, he kind of, he, to be honest, he kind of talked me into it because re- I'm not a believer in um, – I'm. I'm let me start off first with the positive. I'm a huge believer in Mike Vrabel. I love Mike Vrabel as a coach. I think he's proven it. He's gotten Ryan Tannehill to this level. But guess what? The coaches can only do so much. They're on the sideline. They're calling the plays, but the players got to play. And the negative is they got Ryan Tannehill, and I don't believe in Ryan Tannehill. I never believed in Ryan Tannehill. Um, so with the he talked me into it. I think the Jaguars have a very good shot at being second place in this division if – Trevor Lawrence makes that jump that he did because I think one, one of the main things, first off, he had a growing pains. This goes back to our first uh, topic is about the quarter, these young quarterbacks take time. Let's like, like what Justin said and the, and uh, the famous words, Aaron Rodgers, R E L A X. Relax. Let's take a time. It's a, guess what? When you're cooking food, what's the best way you want to put it in the microwave for a minute and tastes like crap, or you want to put it in the oven, take your time, slow cook it. That's where the best food is. Take your time with Trevor Lawrence. He, he's going to go through his growing pains like he did. Listen, everybody forgets Peyton Manning and led the league in interceptions first year, mm-hmm. his rookie year. So these quarterbacks take time. And I think Trevor Lawrence has – I don't want to sound crazy, but he's got – he's very high potential in this league, and I believe he's going to be a elite quarterback for years to come. Yeah, you look at those weapons. Last year, TJ Chark played a grand total of four games after his ankle injury. And LaVisca Chanel, a player I really liked coming out, he was a fun player to watch and root for. He just never panned out for them. And we're only two years into his career, but now you have not only the guy we talked about before by way of Arizona, Christian Kirk, along with Marvin Jones, one of the most underrated receivers in the league. Another one's in the Texans we'll talk about in a moment. Zay Jones in Las Vegas, Derek Carr praised him. Was he worth $14 million guaranteed, $24 million over three years? Eh, I don't know. I guess as number three, it's fine. He's got some size to him. There's a little bit of potential here as a younger player. I think for the amount of surrounding pieces, Travis Etienne, Robinson, you have the running backs, Evan Ingram, the best hands of any tight end in the NFL. I'm totally joking. Uh, I, I like to meme on him because he should have never been a pro bowler a few years ago. There's talent there surrounding him. And I, I think for Jacksonville... You, you, 
you're still recovering. I think as fun as it is to, to say all this and, you know, it's all sunshine, sunshine and rainbows with Trevor Lawrence going to his second year. This franchise is still rehabbing from the damage that was that was done by Urban Meyer. Uh, and that's why I think there's no way, as much upside as this team has, you can say Mike Vrabel, who for years has consistently done the same thing in Tennessee, just won a coach of the year. He's going to have a worse record than the team. And Jacksonville is a brand new offensive coordinator. Daryl Bever, Daryl Bever, Bevel, I can't speak. It's 9-15. You will look 9-49, totally off. When you look at the offense last year and the way it was run, this year, it can be better. Definitely can have a much better offensive coordinator. But the issue is you're constantly changing the staff and you're trying to find your identity. You're trying to build it. And I think for Jacksonville, it's going to take more than a year. I think their breakout season is 2024, maybe 2023. But I think it's a little bit premature. When you have all of these players still learning, it's a young team. You just had the first overall pick in Trayvon Walker. Yep. I think way too many people hit on that pick. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Yes, I'm touching on that. Yeah, John. So I just want to write you. You set me up perfectly because I want to talk about these young players and who Go they got them on um, Denver, uh, Jacksonville. Um, you said Trayvon Walker. Um, they've got him listed as a linebacker, number one overall pick out of Georgia. They got. Um, they also had another first round pick, Devin Lloyd out of Utah, linebacker. Um, and then on the offensive line, I mean, look at these high round picks that they've got. They've got uh, Walker Little, Walk, Walker Little. Second-round pick out of Stanford, Cam Robinson, uh, tackle, second-round pick from uh, 2017 out of Alabama. We've seen the talent they produce. Um, Brandon Sheriff, who's the um, who's the veteran in that, he's a top-five pick back in 2015. Made a first-team all-pro, five-time pro bowler. And then they got Jawan Taylor, who's a second-round pick in 2019 from Florida. And then you see on the D-line, they got Josh Allen. He was a top-seven pick 2019, pro bowler. Malcolm Brown, who's a two-time Super Bowl champion, he's, he's nothing. He was with the Patriots, but he's, you know, obviously took some things from uh, Bill Belichick's defense and learned some. And then they've got, um, this is going to be a tough name, Kalevon. Chason. Who? Chason this is the last name. Yeah, I can't pronounce it quite. First round pick from 2020. I can't, I can't pronounce that name. I'm sorry. I'm not going to try and butcher, but they've got all that young talent and then the corner's got some uh, lots of size and, poten- and potential young players. So I, I just – I like their got, secondary. They've got some potential. You know what I mean? And I think – listen, the, I think that I think realistically the jump is 2000, uh, next year, 2023 for Jacksonville. But listen, man, if Trevor Lawrence takes that step, I think these players are going to follow him. I think they're going to take a step too just because they see their young QB taking a step. I think Justin might have uh, struck gold a little bit on that I'm, one. That, that really talked me into it. There's I'm a reason for it. And I'm going to hop on this Jaguars train. Duval! Oh. I'm telling you, if Trevor Lawrence really does take that next step, I think the sky's the limit. I think Doug Peterson is enough this season to get them through this Urban Meyer disaster that was last season. I think it's in the past. I think come... OTAs and, and all this off-season program, there's a new culture down there in Jacksonville. I think what happened last year with Urban Meyer is dead and gone. But I don't think they have to recover anymore. They, they, they're they taken care of. I believe in Doug Peterson. I believe in the talent that they have in the room. Again, I'm not going to say Super Bowl contender, but I'm going to say 
hey, don't be surprised if this team shocks you a bit. And I just want to say right before you, John, and then we can uh, wrap up this uh, segment. Um, I, I'm, I might get some hate for it, but I just realized that I did have Jacksonville Jaguars as one of my top five worst teams in the NFL in our last episode. So I didn't really take an in-depth look because I knew this was coming. But when I took the in-depth look and then Justin started talking, he got my mind going. And I, I, I think I'm, I, I – Listen, they've got a shot, and I might have to change my mind. I admit I was wrong, probably. Possibly. I love this team's secondary, Brandon Darius Williams from the Rams, Super Bowl champion that has been a true starter. You have Griffin. Um, I, I think they're building something strong. Now they, they released Miles Jack to clear up all the cap room to to bring Kirk for, I think it was $37 million guaranteed plus a $20 million signing bonus. Was he overpaid? Sure. But, I mean, you're Jacksonville. You have to pay a little bit more for these guys, even though – in theory, kind of like Orlando and the NBA, you shouldn't have to. You're in, you're in Florida. You're in a great metropolis. Regardless, the issue is it's not just the culture, but it's a fact. What the hell did Urban Meyer teach these guys last year? To be to be sure, I, I don't think Trevor Lawrence really took a whole lot because the leader in charge had no idea what he was doing. So now for him, this is sort of his de facto rookie season where he got a lot of the lumps out the way last year, but now we're starting this entire thing all over again. We're the worst team in the NFL. The wins we did have... You know, it was just all around a poor season. You didn't learn much. And you're adding all of these top picks. I think Trayvon Walker is going to be, can I develop him? We'll see. But when you look at his physical tools for a guy that is that fat, I think that Georgia defense, he was the absolute man helping Kobe Dean and all those other guys create plays and sacks. He's going to be an absolute game changer in the NFL. He paired that with Josh Allen, the secondary touchdown. The defense, that, that is being built up, too, which is what makes this team so unique. It's not just the offensive side of the ball. Sure, Christian Kirk's probably not a receiver number one, but you look at both sides, you, you can see it all coming together. But I think for them, it's it's a learning experience, and this, this for them will be another year of losing, learning, and 2024, maybe 2023, they have a positive record. That is where we really start to see Jacksonville turn into a winning program. It's going to take some time. So let's go with our, our rankings. Uh, I'll start. We didn't talk I, about we didn't talk about the Texans. We, didn't talk. Uh, I, we don't we don't well, need that. Well, that's why we'll, we're going to talk about the Texans okay. because I got the Colts number one. I got the Jags coming number two. I got the Titans three. And unfortunately, I'm not trying to crap on the Texans, but I have them last. And the reason I have them last is because one, I feel like they made a big mistake firing Dave Cully. What? Yes, I'll be honest with you, and I'll tell you why. The guy was not terrible last year. I think the cards that he was dealt, what Houston was dealing with last year, to fire him after his first year, I thought it was a bit unfair. Uh, him working with Davis Mills, I think Mills took a – I think he was better than everybody expected. Oh, yeah. So if this guy really is as good as he played last season and if he takes another step, I think the Texans have a bright future. But unfortunately, he still has plenty to show us. I don't believe in the Texans roster right now. I don't believe they have a lot of talent out there. And quite frankly, I don't see this team winning more than four games next year. Let me say something about David Coley. I think he's a great guy. It was awesome when they got that week one but, victory. But that's the thing. He was a big motivator for these guys. They played under him. They loved him. Here's the issue. When they hired him, it, it was, in a way, he was not prepared for that job to be an, an NFL head coach. He, he was, in a way, one of the worst head coaches last year. And for them... We all knew it wasn't a long-term thing. We all knew it was a gateway until they could kind of navigate their way through the Deshaun Watson situation. 
And moving on from him for Lovey Smith, the anointed defensive coordinator was Lovey the best option? I don't think so. I hasn't coached in a while in the NFL. And that's what but, I was, that, that's what I was going to say right there, John. Is that yeah, I think we can agree that David Culley was not he was long, not good. No, no, he was not the long term option. Um, but and he was going to be the gateway to something, but the gateway to Lovey Smith. I mean, all respect to Lovey Smith. Like, you know, glad he, glad he's got a, a job. I think he did a decent job in, in Chicago. Um, got him to a Super Bowl, right? Against the Colts. What was that? Was that? Oh, 2006, 2006. Yeah. yeah. I think that was Lovey Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Got, it's Lovey. Yeah. Third year team. Yeah. He got, he, he got to an NFC championship game, I believe against green Bay in um, Oh nine, I think. Um, so, but, but really was, and I don't even think Lovey Smith was their option. Like who are they, who were they expecting that was going to be on the open market after, after a year who they just had to be like, okay, David Cully, you're the coach for this year. We're going to get rid of you because we have a plan for the year after that. Who was the guy? I don't even think they knew that there was a guy. I felt like the guy for them should have been Brian Flores, but they decided to go Lovey. To me, they were just trying well, to... Also, Brian Flores got kind of, you know, blackballed. Totally should be an NFL head coach. But on a side note, with Lovey Smith, the Texans, sure, they're getting these top picks on their own, but they're trying to win games. They're trying to be competitive. After the way the Deshaun Watson thing ended, it was so ugly. They're trying to build the identity, the, the culture. We talked about that a lot with Tennessee. You're trying to rebuild the atmosphere, just the entire organization from the ground up. And for Nick Karras, I forgot how to pronounce, the GM, they're, they're looking to just build that culture. And the guy that's got almost a decade worth, I think he's got even more uh, of head coaching experience. That's the guy they say, say to themselves, we can build this defense. And speaking of Davis Mills, I wouldn't really attribute that development to David Coley. I would attribute more of that to Pep Hamilton. Their passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach hit it. Right, about, yeah, yeah. Because you said, um, God, I'm not going to be able to say his last name either because you can't say uh, Nick Caceres. Caceres, whatever. Right? Uh, our guy. Um, he was the general manager, right? Yeah. For the New Patriots? Nick Casario. I was. I thought there was a T in there for a moment. Nick Casario. He was the GM for the New England Patriots, right? I believe so. He was in there. He was yeah. in New England. Okay, so, but. He wasn't really the the GM for the New England. Yeah, coach. he had many like, roles. He, he was wasn't there. He was the title, and he was the uh, face for the franchise. He, Bill Belichick, was making all those moves. So, I mean, and we've seen people come from big, uh, Bill Belichick's tree, and they haven't really had success at all. I mean, so. But that, like, that's for head coaches. I, I think that's an unfair thing to do. You did that with Alabama quarterbacks last year, and look what Mac Jones did. I don't like how you do that. I'm not a fan. I do agree with the coaches. Sure. But I think it's a little bit wrong just to say, oh, you're from New England and you're new here. I don't think that's proper because Nick Casario has done a good job in Houston. Talking about Pep Hamilton, their new offensive coordinator, brilliant for David Mills. Davis Mills. I really can't pronounce anything to that. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's all right, we're all, I'm struggling. So, Pep Hamilton's from Chicago. He actually worked with, with Lovey Smith. He's got time with Alex Smith, Chad Pennington, I think, Andrew Luck, 2016, spent a year at the Browns. Then he goes to the, the Chargers. Justin Herbert's rookie year. And now this year, in 2021, we saw last year, the work he did with Davis Mills, the start of the year wasn't great. He did outplay Mac Jones in that one week where they almost beat New England. Um, but over the year, I mean, Davis Mills and Mac, they were the two good rookie quarterbacks. The rest were not good. And it's funny, like, our expectations were probably, I think for me, I had pretty high expectations for Zach Wilson that his receivers all went down. 
the two guys you probably expected the least from, eh, Maddox was in the best situation. They're by far the best. And I like a Davis Mills going a year or two. You draft John Michi. You have Brandon Cooks, one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. That and Marlon Mack for $2 million, that's a pretty good signing to me. I know it doesn't move the needle a whole lot, but Marlon Mack showing he can be one of the better running backs in the league. If hasn't he's played. Healthy. What's up? If he's healthy. If he's healthy, that that is valid. Yeah. All right. But, like, okay. I, I, don't, I don't understand how you got me to actually talk about the Houston Texans when I didn't talk about the Texans. Because I literally wrote down, I took no notes for the Houston Texans because all I did was say worst team in football. That's all I wrote because I don't want to talk about them. They're mediocrity. They're turning it around. Like, Marlon Mack two years ago is getting a thousand rushing yards. turning around, John. Where are they going? Back to the, the number Col- one overall pick? They're headed in the right direction. You know how hard it is for Davis Mills with the, the looming presence of Deshaun Watson hanging over your season and replacing him with a coach we all knew wasn't actually meant to be the head coach and he's kind of just there and there's no stability for him to continue getting better and better. Now you add in Lovey Smith who has all the experience. This is where they're going. Did you say something before that? No, I said they're not. They're going nowhere. That, they're, that's not, I mean. they're not going nowhere. They have their quarterback. They're building the offensive line. I thought Kenyon Green at Texas A&M, the hometown kid, I thought that was an awesome right, pick. I'm a big fan of Derek Stinley. I think he's one of the most talented players. Where do you have them ranked right now in the division? Right? I have them above Jacksonville, my friend. What? I have this Houston team. Yeah, I don't think they win less than four games. I'm expecting them to win upwards to six or maybe even seven. And with Jacksonville, I'm expecting them to win three or four, maybe to five. This guy's smoking something. You're smoking something, John. <laughs> You're no I think way. with the Texans, no. the defense no, no is going to continue getting better and better. I Like I said before, I think Derek Stinley, I think he's going to have a big-time year. may take him some time, along with John Michi. They're both coming off of injuries. But those are two guys, I'm a fan of them just being true starters. Stinley especially, I think there's a good amount of star potential there, especially considering the fact they took him third overall pick. I think you're totally being disrespectful to what Houston is doing. I think it's all going in the right direction. Why is it all... Your mic's cut out for me, my friend. No, no, I'm I'm, I'm mouthing words. I'm mouthing words. I'm saying I was going to say, I, I think Houston's in a good direction. I think they found the GM. Bill O'Brien is not their head coach. And Levy Smith, is he the long-term solution? I don't think so. But I think he's better than David Coley. And I look at his team, I say Davis Mills should be better. You have Nico Collins going to his second year. There's more and more talent being added. I think they can have more receiver depth. I think Marlon Mack's fine. He's, he can be good. There's not a whole lot of depth offensively. They're continuing to build. Larry Tunsil played five games last year. He's one of the best tackles in the NFL. He's going to be healthy this year. They're able to restructure his contract and keep him. Houston, they don't have the marketable star. They don't have a D-hop. They don't have Deshaun Watson. But we're starting to see they're turning around the culture. The faults that kind of plagued them that ended the Deshaun Watson era, all of a sudden they're starting to be better run. And I think they're going to, to build that culture and continuity. I'm not a big fan of them adding all these random veterans and one-year deals. I think that's a little bit excessive to a certain degree. But I mean, in two years, I can easily see this being back to a respectable team that people actually will decide to talk about on the podcast. You know, it will be an interesting team. Do you guys, Davis Mills, I mean, he was good last year. And I think adding more talents, he had he wasn't just as bad of a situation as Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. Like I said, Coley and Deshaun Watson, he had no talents around him outside of Brandon Cooks. His best offensive lineman was hurt. And I mean, he had a way better year than Trevor Lawrence. 
So why would we be so, dis- so dismissive to them? I think he's a good Done. quarterback. Done. Okay. I don't, don't understand how we can say that the Texans are headed in the right direction when you also just said that you don't believe their coaches that that it's a short-term solution of the coach. Oh, if you're headed down the right path, that means you found the coach for the future. They haven't found that. Well, at least at the moment, that's what we think. That's and I, all three of us agree on that, that we don't think he's the long-term solution at head coach. I don't think he is. Oh, yes, boy, hold, but- on. hold on. Because I had to, I had to, you guys act like Davis, Davis, David or Davis? Davis, Davis. Mills. Come on. Come on. Put your, I had to, I had to put your notes. I don't know. I just looked up his stats real quick. Homeboy was 16 touchdowns to 10 interception and had a QBR of 35. That's way below average. Uh, okay. All right. All right, Mr. Statistics. He was in a horrible situation. Can you name me one receiver on the team outside Brand Cooks? Because no, you know it all. That, oh, that, oh, no, 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 no. So, no, no, no. You guys are going to be nice to Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence, and they're going to dismiss this guy. Because he was, like I said, had people. Had people? DJ Shark played four games. What do you mean he had people? That's only that's only helping Trevor's case. He still had James Robinson at the backfield as a pro bowler. One, that's literally one player. Can you name me more? He's still very good. Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault. That Jacksonville is awful for Trevor. Trevor. Players. LaVisca Chanel has proven nothing in the NFL. What are you talking he's a, about? He's a, what do you mean? He's a, he's a switchblade. He's a switchblade army knife, dude. He just he does he everything. Was, some weeks he was their number one receiver, my friend. Tavon Austin was like one of their main yeah, receivers some weeks. They, they were dealing with injuries. Exactly. Marvin, so Trevor Austin. Lawrence was in a bad situation, and so was Davis Mills. The the Texans' best player, he was literally right, requesting can, a trade right, last year. John, we can we can get at this at another point in time, because I promise you Davis Mills will never be mentioned on the same same uh pedestal as trevor lawrence i promise about, you i'm not i'm not saying that i'm just saying you compare him to justin fields and zach wilson all those guys are in terrible terrible situations all i'm saying is you love talking about jacksonville and how they're gonna be the second best team in the division this year and all i'm trying to tell you is davis mills will be a legitimate starting quarterback he had shown that last year he continually got better and better and you're throwing a qbr at me his qbr at me completed 67 percent of his passes he had a really good rookie season it was almost on level of mac and Mac, by the way, one of the best offensive lines, one of the best running games. He had more weapons between Kendrick Bourne and all their other options at tight end, even though they weren't running the double sets. He had a better defense. He had Bill Belichick. And still, Davis Mills impressed everybody that had actually watching Houston. Numbers will say one thing. If you haven't watched him play and you haven't seen the talent around him, you're going to come, if you actually do watch, you're going to come around with a different takeaway. That is, this guy may be their franchise quarterback, to me, he actually will be if they continue to support him. I thought John Michi out of Alabama was a good pick. They're adding more talent. The defense is getting better. They're going to have Cleveland's picks. Bro, they have the Browns pick in 2023, 2024. They have a third-round pick. They have fourth-round picks coming. They have their own, which are not going to be later in the draft. They have a lot of picks coming in. The Deshaun Watson trade, they definitely. I mean, what if Watson only plays like four of the six games this year? That Browns pick is likely going to be in the top 15, and they're going to have their own in the top 15. That right there helps you get a one of the best receivers in the class, maybe one of the best offensive tackles. All of a sudden, kind of like Detroit, that is what this reminds me of, the Lions rebuild. I don't think they're going to win a whole lot of games, probably five to seven. But things are starting to turn around. Is Lovey Smith a long-term solution? No, but I think he brings some stability now. This team is trying to win games. I think we're spending way too much time on Houston. Because you're dismissing a good young quarterback and a team that has 
upside to grow into a respectable organization. Oh, I'm dismissing them when I believe when I believe all three of us had them in their our bottom five teams in the NFL this year. I did not. I highly doubt I did. I don't. I think I had the Jets and the, the Falcons. Well, you probably had them number seven. No, I had the Jets and the Falcons at six and seven. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's let Justin please. Let's get off the side because I don't want to talk about. The I, I just find it absolutely. He can be your pet project. Davis Mills can be your pet project, and we'll see. You're starting with QBR at me, and you're providing zero context to his actual surroundings. That's totally unfair. Do you agree? That's totally unfair to hold it. Uh, am I wrong? You don't. You have no response to that. You know rebuttal because you know it's true. Oh. No. I'm gonna. I'm gonna send John a shirt in the mail this week oh that says. Number one fan of Davis Mills. I'm not yeah. his number one fan. All I do is respect the guy that had an impressive development over his rookie year. You're 100% correct. I'm not knocking Davis Mills. I'm a fan of him. I thought he took I, – I really do think he was the second best rookie quarterback. It wasn't close. No, 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 you, you really think right. – I mean, it was between Zach Wilson, who completed like 55% of his passes. Yeah. If we're going to throw the numbers around. Justin Fields, who was disastrous, Trevor Lawrence, who was a nightmare, and Trey Lance, who apparently the, the 49ers don't like, even though I think it's a smoke screen to try to, you know, make teams think they want to keep Jimmy G, regardless. But, Obviously, so, there's only two good rookie quarterbacks in a second. I am 100% with you, but like I just don't think they're a better team than the Jaguars. That's it. I, yeah. I, I have them finishing last. We I think should talk it's about a project. I, I love the fact that there was so much passion in a conversation about the Houston, Texas. I love what the team's doing. I'm a fan. And the three of us live on the East Coast. I absolutely love this. <laughs> this is true. fantastic. But let's shift it to the East Coast. Listen, a while back, we had a great discussion. We spoke about Big Ben and his chances into the Hall of Fame. And look, we see John wearing his little Steel City shirt right now, repping them. Let's talk about another quarterback that was drafted in his draft class, Eli Manning quarterback of the new york giants is he a hall of famer or the question that we asked about big ben was is he a first ballot hall of famer so he's not a first ballot hall of famer can we all agree on that i'd say yes okay. <laughs> yeah i mean so is he a hall of is let's talk about it surely eli oh. manning is a hall of famer what's that face for go ahead no continue i want to hear your points i'm listening <laughs> Brandon, uh, Justin, um, you guys uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you've been Patriot fans your entire lives almost, as long as you've watched sports, right? Yep. Um, so I'm sure you guys are well acquainted with uh, the oh, yeah. 2008 Super Bowl loss, heartbreaking. David defeats Goliath. Now, sure, Eli's defense that year was insane, I mean, to be sure. But then guess what he did again? He, uh, in 2011, beat Tom Brady a second time. And the thing is, in those games, it's unique. The Giants made the Super Bowl in 2000. They lost to the Baltimore. Uh, Kara Collins was their quarterback. Wasn't enough. Pretty pretty poor in that Super Bowl run. Eli Manning was the guy from New York that took them over the top. He was what allowed enabled them to beat a Tom Brady-led team. They had the receivers. They had the running game. They had an insane defense. But without Eli Manning, they don't win those two Super Bowls. In fact, he is the Giants' best quarterback in the franchise history. He brought stability for that team for over 15 years. Brandon, you're a big availability guy. I, I don't actually believe in the saying the best ability is availability. The best ability is actually being able to produce. You you, you believe in that though yourself, right? The best ability is availability. Well, Eli Manning started 210 games straight. Literally. I think it was, let me check. 
what, 14 straight years he missed a total third, of one third, game? Third all-time for most consecutive starts by NFL quarterback, 210. Wait, that's third all-time? It's not first? Yep, third all-time. Wait, who's first and second? Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't write it down. I forgot. I'll be honest. I may be wrong live in the air, but I thought that it, was number one all-time. It's it's. That's 14 uh, while you, years. While you, while you go, I'll, I'll look it up. Keep going, though. I'll yeah. look it up. So... He's also ninth all-time passing yards ahead of uh, John Elway, Aaron Rodgers by 4K. Um, but when it comes to Mr. Dependable specifically, one of the toughest guys in the NFL, the quarterback of the New York football giants that won two Super Bowl MVPs, only four other guys have done that. Brady has done it five times, yes. It's, it's Tom Frick and Brady. Montana's done it three times. And then Bradshaw and Bart Starr won it twice. And Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong. You think Kurt Warner's a Hall of Famer too, right? Yeah. And the guy that eventually helped Eli become a starter. When you, when you compare longevity, I think longevity matters in this discussion. A guy like Kurt Warner only played in the NFL as a, a true high-end starter for six years. That's all they got, six, seven years. Eli, he was consistently that same guy from New York for 14 to 15. And you look at what he was able to produce. Four of the greatest plays in Giants history. The throw to Tyree in the Super Bowl. The throw to Manningham. Manning to Manningham, you got the throw to OBJ. And of course, the game-winning dagger. It's in your in, impossible to defeat New England Patriots home in Super Bowl 42. He's produced the greatest plays. And when you look for a franchise quarterback, that is what Eli Manning was for all over a decade. That is why Eli Manning, to me, is a clear-cut Hall of Fame player. You know what drives me crazy? So I'm with you. Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. But I have family members that are Jets fans. Okay? Big time Jets fans. And I've heard tons of Eli Manning hate. And my question to, to fans of teams that haven't won Super Bowls or have struggled to find their quarterback, mm -hmm. if you don't think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer, you're crazy. Because would you have taken him on those Cleveland Brown teams that didn't win a game? Would the Jets take Eli Manning any one of those years when they were missing the playoffs? Yes, of course. Why? Because you couldn't find a damn quarterback. Eli Manning was there. Eli Manning was present. His record is not indicative of his performance at all. He was a gamer. And whenever he had his offense, I'd say I like to get the years right. I always say I think it's 06 to about 2011 and 2012 when he had a solid core out there that was healthy, he lacked that form. Yeah, and he, he never had that consistently. But from that time period, he had a solid, solid team. And I felt like through that time, Eli showed, yo, if he's healthy, if other people are healthy on the outside, this man's going to ball and nobody's going to stop him. Sure, he made his, his interception mistakes and he's up there with some of the worst interceptions I've seen in my life. But as a Patriot fan, that has been crushed by this guy. Literally, my, I remember the 2011 Super Bowl crying. <laughs> crying in my family's home because of this guy. Eli's made, made the throws when he needed to in the biggest moments. He's one of the greatest postseason quarterbacks that we have ever seen. Ever seen. And I don't think that's, that's gassed up. I think we just got to give credit where credit's due. No hyperbole. So I, I just look at it. And I look at his draft class, I look at Ben, I say Ben's a Hall of Famer. E Eli, 
as the two greatest Super Bowls possibly of all time, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't really think it's it's fair to even debate it. If he's if he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame, it'd be it'd be a disgrace. You ready, right there, dude? Think of that the entire time. I'm done. I'm ready for this because I know I know you don't think anybody <laughs> is a Hall of Famer. So, <laughs> okay, I just don't want the damn Hall of Fame to get watered down. And listen, man. Okay, you guys made your point. Yeah, two two time Super Bowl champion, two time Super Bowl MVP, four time Pro Bowler. Okay. Out of uh, 16 years in the NFL, he only made the Pro Bowl four times. That's a little conspicuous. <laughs> and I will give you, I will give you, John. He is the best quarterback ever to play for the New York Giants. I mean, that's not saying a lot, but I'll give it to you. Um, okay, so if we just look at, because again, I think you guys aren't looking at the whole picture when it comes to these players, and they're because we got to look at their entire career. We got to look up, look at it objectively. We got to look at what they did. So, like, what awards they won, accomplishments. We got to look at their statistics because that statistics are a um, record of history. That is what happened on the field. Yes, it doesn't tell the whole story. I understand that, John, but they are records of events that happened. These are the numbers you put up. Okay. And you got to look at what they did winning wise, especially with quarterbacks as we're uh, talking NFL. So the awards I gave you, that's where it ends. Okay. Stats wise. A 60% completion percentage for his career average, not good. Brady is only 64%. Uh, but that's a lot when you consider it. 60% is not that good. 64% Greatest of all time, only 3%, 3.9% higher for the GOAT. Yeah, but okay, so you're just looking at the completion percentage, but you really want to get, John, do you really want to get into that debate? No. Don't do that. Don't mention Eli Manning and Tom Brady in the same same comp, uh, sentence. Wait, right. hold up. In those games, Eli actually played at the level of of Tom Brady. It's, it's not like caught up. In those games versus New England. Do we really three, want to get into those? The three he played in his the three he played in his career, two interceptions against New England, eight touchdowns, 260, 70 passing yards, quarterback grading a 97. Can I like that? I think that's pretty good. If okay. I say so myself. So we really so we really want to get into what happened in those Super Bowls because I know Justin watched them. Okay. What happened those Super Bowls? I, I, I want to say I want to say one thing to you. Uh, I have all the respect in the world for uh, Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time. But saying that they don't belong in the same sentence when Eli has beat us twice in a Super Bowl <laughs> is okay, very Justin. Justin, you're really who really beat us in that Super Bowl? What was the, what happened? That, do we forget? Are we forgetting yeah, a, a couple? A couple miracles. You're right. No, no, not the miracles. I'm talking about what really won the Giants that game. The pass rush. Oh, wait, in 2011. Both years, both years, all they had to do was rush four to get pressure on Tom Brady. Less that, so in 2011. 2008 no, was a monster. Not that's not. That's not true at all. Dude, they still had. They still had. They still had Justin Tuck. They had JPP. They had who was having a career year that year. They had OCU Manura still, Chris Canty in the middle, and a young Linval Joseph in 2011. That's a stout. Michael Strahan, 2008 specifically. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, and then you in 2007, 2008, they had Fred Robbins, Michael Strahan, OCU Manura, and uh, Justin Tuck. Like when you have only when you only need four to get to the quarterback. That leaves the other um, let me do my math real quick, terrible at math for seven other players to do to do what they need to do and not worry about it. You don't have to blitz. You know how 
how much easier it makes on the back end when they don't have to blitz and they can get into the set in their coverage. Like, come on, I stop forgetting what really happened in that Super Bowl, okay? Eli Manning threw an interception to Asante Samuel in 2008 that should have ended the game. And then he makes a miracle play where there was a whole, go back and look at it. There was a holding on that rollout play that he had, okay? Brandon, stop. If, if we're going to do this with Tom Brady, remember in 2018, Patrick Mahomes' first year where D. Ford went off sides, an interception that would have sent the Patriots home and would have sent the Chiefs oh, to the oh, Super Bowl. Oh, and the Chiefs and the Patriots it. would not have won the Super Bowl that year because if you want to do you. that, we can do that for other parts of Tom you. Brady's career as well. I got friends. you, though. I got you, though. I got you, though. I'm not making that argument. I was just saying that. I'm just saying that as well. If we're going to do that, if we're going to hold every quarterback to that standard, we can do it with all of them. No, 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 no. Because if you're telling me, so you're telling me the greatest quarterback of all time, one of the smartest quarterbacks to ever play the game, didn't know that D4 lined up offsides and didn't know that was a free play. You're telling I believe, me you didn't know that? I believe D4 jumped offsides. But you I don't, don't think Tom Brady do that when it happened. You don't think he, he jumped he, offsides. He wasn't but, lined up offsides. I understand that, but you don't think he knew that happened. I think D4 just preemptively jumped off sides. I'm not asking snaps. you that question, John. I'm asking you, do you think Tom Brady knew that happened while the play was going on? No, I do not. Okay. I and think I, maybe okay. he could have, but I'm not. On. Then we're going to move 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 on. Then yeah. we're going to move on. Because that, that's. Talk about Eli Manning here. It's not about Brady. I know that he, he, he is, you know, the one that's pwned Brady a few times in the biggest moments, but. He didn't. Again, we just talked about it. That defensive line well, he, did it. He played at that Brady. same level. He stepped up and played to Brady's level with that. The greatest player of all time we're talking about here. By looking at yeah, it. But the D line was what the, how do you how do you But make he produced. We're talking about numbers. Numbers are what you did. You were talking about that before. He put up the yes. same numbers as Brady, and okay. I believe in those two okay. Super Bowls had one less turnover. Okay, but again, we're talking about we're talking about how how do you make a quarterback not play to the standard that they're known as? What's the easiest way? You throw a great opposing team at them. The no, no. You get pressure, you rough them up, and you hit them. Quarterbacks don't like to be put on their butt. Okay? They don't like to be touched up. They don't like to be roughed up. You're talking about Brady's quick like, release, though, the other day, weren't you? He does have the greatest quick release, but you can't. But when the D-line is coming at you that fast, we can sure. sit back and watch the game and what happened. The receivers also got to get open. And guess what? Teams started, teams started to figure them out. You can look back at 2009 of what happened when Tom, because, you know, 2008, he got injured in the first game in 2009 when they really came back. And then that start team started to break up. I, I, I forget what clip it's from, but Bill Belichick is talking that he's like, listen, teams have figured this out. Take Randy Moss away from deep cover uh, Welker on the under. What are we going to do? Bill Belichick literally said that in a meeting. What, what we got nothing else. That's it. Teams. So I think Tom Coughlin had a great game plan. I for, uh, Steve Spagnola called a great game defensively. I don't think we give enough credit to that defensive line. Yes, Eli Manning was there, but I think if we replace him with some other quarterbacks, they'd get the job done. But again, I want to get back to the Eli Manning points. All right. Yes, he's ninth all-time in passing yards, 10th all-time in uh, touchdowns. He's also 12th all-time in interceptions. Um, he's got an 84.1 passer rating, which is 54th all-time behind guys like Joe Flacco, Cam Newton, Jay Cutler, and Sam Bradford, to name a few. Led the league in interceptions three different times. Now I want to get into the meat of my point because you everybody falls in love with the two Super Bowl runs, right? What else did he do for those 14 other years he was in the NFL? 17 and seven, 100, sorry, 
117, 117 all-time win-loss record. He's 500. 17 out of the 16 years had a winning record. Nine out of the 16 years had a 500 or lower record. Do we really want to get missed the playoffs 10 out of the 16 years? Do we really want to talk about the team around him? Yeah, hold on. That's hold on. what I'm waiting for, for you to acknowledge that. Like, if we can get into the roster that was around him for some of those years. I mean, look at his his last season with the Giants. Well, he okay, had Saquon Barkley, Justin. Career. I can't I, – I mean, <laughs> this is his entire career. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at his entire career of what he did. Did – did, let me ask you this, guys, then. Did the new – I know it's long ago, but in that Super Bowl 2011, did the New England Patriots deserve to be in that Super Bowl with the team around them? The answer is no. No, they didn't. In 2011? Yeah, because that's the year Julian Edelman was playing defensive back. That's how badly injured and battered defensive backfield was. I know that. I I, I was going to say, I I think uh, that might be one of the years that the Patriots were a shoe-in because if Gronk was healthy that season – Yes, we win that. We win that. And I agree. That was Gronk's rookie year. But that, right? that, that goes to the – but guess what? That goes to the credit of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to be able to lead that team to the Super Bowl. And that's why they're both the greatest of all time. So you're talking about me look at the team around Eli Manning. He had Tom Coughlin, who I think you guys would probably agree is a Hall of Fame coach. Yeah. You had, you had solid players around you. I mean, I named you the D-line he had surrounding him. That D-line didn't change that much. Yeah, Michael Strahan retired after they won the first Super Bowl, but guess what? They replaced him with JPP. I mean, I, I don't understand where you guys are. I mean, dude, what did he do? He missed the playoffs 10 out of the 16 years. Let's talk about it then. Let's you, talk you know, about that's, it. That's one of the biggest reasons why I, I say, and I, I agree with people that say winning is entirely a QB stat anymore. I'm Back then, sure, it's same thing with pitchers. Uh, in baseball, Back in the day, wins used to mean so much. A pitcher could win 21 games with a four ERA or, or or higher, and they'd be praised because they have wins. No, it's because of who's around you. Eli didn't have everything around his defense, and for a long time, he was looking for a running game. He didn't have it. He had a solid running back through those years with the Mod Bradshaw. And, uh, How about the years of Brandon okay, Jennings? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Brandon Jennings every year? Because there were some no, years. Brandon where... Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs. Okay, okay, by fault. Because there's years of Brandon Jennings, and they were shooting for 3.3 yards per carry, not even, maybe 3.1. No, I was talking that. about back when, back in the. Um, yeah. uh, oh, listen, uh, I'm with you. Ahmad Bradshaw was the man, bro. Mm. Yeah. I love Ahmad Bradshaw. Bro, homeboy had, homeboy had Plaxico Burris on the outside. For two the, years. Two years he had one year Steve Smith guess what then guess what a cut a year or two after that he had a key mix of Victor Cruz two years of them individually they they had their primes as legit star receivers for three years that was it and it was over by 2012 then took him a few years to get OBJ only had three years of OBJ okay so he never had number two consistently can he not can he not can he not elevate talent well 2015 2015 he threw for 4400 yards and guess what the offense was top six top 10 but the defense was 30th in the league so they missed the last year right six and ten because the defense was hot garbage elevate uh, elevate his receivers he elevated victor cruz who saw that one coming? How about the years where Shane Vereen was like third on the team in, in yards? Shane Vereen was made in New England, buddy. Don't do not do that. How about in New York? Well, in New York, he was able to maintain that with Eli Manning. Yeah, but he was already proven. Well, not every – like you say, you've got these certain stigmas. You know, Alabama quarterbacks, New England coaches. And how about New England players? The Rex Burkheads. They go to different teams. All of a sudden, they're not the same player they were in New England. But Shane, Shane Vereen, Vereen, he was still – 
Chamberine was a, a Chamberine. Do a receiving running back can be translated into almost any offense because he can just catch the ball and go. So That's so. Not, Depends. Yeah, Hall of Fame quarterback like Eli, you can maintain that. No, no, not a Hall of Fame. I mean, you guys still haven't accounted for his last. It, 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 all right, so you huh? want to talk about those playoff teams that he did make the playoffs the six years he made the playoffs. Yeah, what was his record in those six years, by the way? What, in the playoffs? Yeah, what was his record those years? I don't have those. Eight and four. Them. His record was eight and four. Okay, so. That's terrible. Ter- uh, so eight and four is terrible in the playoffs? Eight and four is not that good. That's not that good. Are you serious? That's a sip. <laughs> I know math you're saying before it's not exactly your forte, but all right. So it, when it, he made the playoffs six six out of the six <laughs> so eight divided by twelve because twelve total playoff games. I believe that's seventy five percent as a winning percentage. I think in the postseason, I see that had Aaron Rodgers, Michael Vick, and Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, okay, Tony Romo, Donovan McNabb. It's it's pretty good winning percentage. Okay, but what I'm saying is. <laughs> Made the playoffs six out of his 16 years. Out of those six appearances, four of them, they lost in the first game. Three of them were in the first round. The other game, they got a bye week. So he was getting bounced four out of those six. So in those two, those two other, um, besides the two, the two um, Super Bowl runs, which account for those eight wins, he's done absolutely nothing. And you guys get, so I would love it if I could walk into a job, have two great years out of 16 years and be called a freaking hall of famer, that would be incredible. But like, like we mentioned before, we, we have to account for the things around him in the, in that time. It's the truth, bro. You want to talk about everything after the year that they beat us in 08, you're telling me that giant team was in prime to win again until Plaxico went down. When went two years, they, two years of him in New York. Playoffs. They made the playoffs. Okay, and they had a bye week, and they got a bye week, and they lost to the uh, Eagles, twenty-three to eleven. Like and I you said, know his stats in that game. You know his stats: a fifty-one percent completion percentage, one hundred and sixty-nine yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. You're hyping up Plaxico Burris. He only had two strong seasons in New York, over seven hundred yards. And that guy's same as Steve up, Smith. I said, he's a, I said he was a really solid receiver, but I he didn't have him for all solid. those guys. He didn't have for long, like. You look at the Antonio Browns, or more specifically, if you got Brady, he had the consistency with those same receivers. With Eli, he didn't have that. Hakeem Nix. Oh, he didn't. Tom Brady? What are you talking about? We, Julian we Elman, always, he had for we, years. We had six, well years. years. We had we had Moss for, I mean, that wasn't a Moss was three we years. Had, that's why I said. Well, we had had that's longer than Plaxico Burris and Steve Smith. I understand that, but like... You still can't tell me why he didn't elevate other talent. I told you before, in 2015, he threw for over 4,400 yards, and the defense was hot garbage. They went 6-10. and Outside OBJ, that team's second-best receiver is Ruben Randall. It wasn't Julian. What happened in the playoffs when they got there? The following season? No. Yeah, the following season in 2016. The following season in 2016. 2015 that was, the boat, was when he went 6-10. Right? That was the boat trip? Yeah, 2015 yeah, was where he had the great year. 2016, another great year. That and year, I blew up on Green Bay. Yeah, they couldn't run the ball that year, Brandon Jennings. Okay. Tom Brady barely had a running game. These other great quarterbacks barely had a running game. Where... You're, you're telling before about the running games. That was a limiting factor. The defense was better that year. But they couldn't oh. run the football. I don't know. The you offensive line. Have, you still have us having accounted for they had a pretty solid offensive line. So, so you just think that he's not a Hall of Famer at all? No. At all. Okay. Why? 
He has had the consistency of these playmakers. He had two great years, two great runs, and that's it out of 16 years. Can I read you something? Sorry, that doesn't make you a since Because numbers do matter, am I right, Brandon? Yeah. Numbers do matter. To a degree, not the entire story. I don't want you guys to take that. Let let me know if these numbers at least matter. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote this. I got this from fan sided. Okay, I I love this site with fans right, man. It's just it's passion. I love it. Only seven QBs in NFL history have thrown for more yards. Those quarterbacks include Hall of Famers Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Dan Marino. Three of the other four QBs are Hall of Fame locks: Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and yes, Ben Roethlisberger. I believe also Philip Rivers is ahead of him on that list, who will eventually be in the Hall of Fame too. Manning threw nearly 6,000 more yards and 66 more touchdowns than John Elway in the same amount of seasons. The New York Giants legend threw for more passing yards than 29 QBs that are currently in the Hall of Fame. Is that it? Last touchdowns. He threw for more passing touchdowns than 30 QBs that are already in the Hall of Fame. Okay. So the first stat you gave me is the, the, uh, how many yards he had all time. And I gave you that he's ninth all time. Okay. He was pretty good for a long, long time. He does have the most consecutive starts by an NFL uh, quarterback with uh, third all time for that. And I did look it up. He is third all time. Um, I, Again, and then the sec- the second thing, uh, what was the second uh, stat you said? It was uh, more yards than John Elway and John, six- John Elway. Okay, that was a different league for John Elway. It wasn't a passing league; it was a running league. So again, the numbers are inflated a little bit for Eli Manning. You don't think Eli Manning is going to be passed up when these new wave quarterbacks come in? But Justin, I got two questions. We're not neither Justin or I are under the impression he was a top ten quarterback. At his peak, because he wasn't. I don't think he was. There was, there were so many. There was many. Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson. I mean, heck, you can even throw some years the likes of John Joe Flack or Hasselback in the same tier. We understand that. But I got two questions for you. The first is, what do you value in a franchise quarterback? What is what is a franchise quarterback? The intangible traits that you covet. A guy that can lead your football team um, in a market like New York. I want a guy that's on the field. Availability availability uh i was gonna say a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over but that's not really eli manning it's not that's not him his case so here's some of the things i value availability longevity you can do it for a long time remember the super bowl of Kerry collins i talked about before through four interceptions against that baltimore team that, that giant team made the super bowl tiki barber and those boys and guess what quarterback that year not nowhere near up to the level of kind and speaking of content, when it comes to toughness, leadership, and the clutch gene, you value the clutch gene. Am I wrong, Brent? And just like you value the availability. You, you like those two things. They're important to your quarterback, right? You do, because Eli had those things. He also had the work ethic. He had the integrity. He didn't cheat, right? He had the cheat for those two Super Bowls. There's that as well, my friend. Don't forget. Why are you looking at me funny? Don't do that. Don't, don't. He had the cheat for those Super Bowls, my don't. friend. He didn't have to. He had the will to. Unlike Brady, he Brady only played, for, he only played for one team. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not saying anything, but I listen to certain podcasts or other modes. They'll say certain stuff. I listen to certain podcasts. That's just one team. I'm Haters just hate winners. Haters hate winners. Just know that. Um, cameras. I'm not even talking about the deflated footballs. So I'm talking about cameras and sketchy stuff and playbooks being, you know, fished out of the garbage. I'm just saying Eli had the integrity. He was a true leader in New York. 
And like I said before, loyalty. How many teams you played for? One. What franchise? The New York Giants. What did you do for them? Won them two Super Bowls. What was he? Okay. The okay, guy John. that John. helped take them over the top. And in none of that did you give me what the hell he did on the field except for those two Super Bowl runs because you can't explain his what case, he did for those other years. His case is one of one. It is not like Aaron Rodgers. Just because you're a Hall of Fame quarterback doesn't mean you have to follow the same criteria of Joe, Joe of Montana, all those other folks. You can get the points through other factors. It doesn't all have to be the production because you can have limited production and still make the Super Bowl. You have the success on the biggest stage. You have the longevity. You were, for one, a quarterback that played 15, 16 years in New York. That, that matters more than if you played in Cleveland or, let's say, Cincinnati. And he missed the playoffs 10 times. I was telling you, a lot of those years, the team stunk. It wasn't because of just Eli. The team around him wasn't well built. And his flashed years, this is the guy who had the humility. And he couldn't to... even make a wild card. Well, to be sure, I mean, his division those years was also not easy either. I mean, those every single year that those NFC East always were tough. They're never easy, but that's not the main point here. When you look at just the totality of Eli Manning's career, he, you never mentioned it, Walter Payton Man of the Year. He was he had the humility to not only go on game-winning Super Bowl drives against the most indestructible team, but also at the same time being benched was Geno Smith when he had 210 straight starts. Just took it. Took it on the chin. He had all of those traits. He was a true leader. That stuff does matter. It doesn't hold no weight because when you're talking about the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you're looking for pros, true football players. Talk about the word gamer before. Eli Manning was that, my friend. He has all those intangible traits. Yes, yes, he does have all those traits. I'm His not case is one of one. His I case didn't... is not going to be in production. It's not like, like I said before, the Aaron Rodgers, the Big Bens. It's different and it's unique. No quarterback so has done what he's done. Throw, so then we just throw, throw, throw stats and accomplishments out the door then, right, for the Hall of Fame. Well, I get, Are we I throwing longevity out the window? Hall of Fame worthy. So no, technically it's let's not. Open the, let's open the gates and let anybody in. But what about longevity? The what about the thirty and twenty nine quarterbacks that he has more yards and more touchdowns than? I just told you he that he, in the NFL that he was in, he's he the did not he have the furl around him. He raised his level in the playoffs. He, he wasn't a Carson Wentz or Dama before. Two two times. That's it. The other four times he didn't do nothing. That's what it matters. Aaron Rodgers did it once. Correct me if I'm wrong. He, he's also beat Aaron Rodgers to go to a Super Bowl. Correct. He did beat Aaron Rodgers, but then Aaron Rodgers beat him. In the playoffs too. Yeah, I, I'd say I'd say the Giants beat themselves that day. I, that's why I always say, man, this winning isn't entirely a QB. Okay. Step. But because guess what? Guess what? Look at Odell's phone hands in Green Bay that day. And that, and that works against Eli Manning because if you're the leader of that team, that shouldn't happen. But it it does happen. We're not. I'm not comparing Eli to Tom Brady or Peyton I, Manning. I know that, but I'm saying those are quarterbacks that are in just a, a, a different tier. But what he had to deal with sometimes over those years, man, there were some brutal rosters. They weren't, those defenses were not good. They were hot trash. Good. Yeah, they drafted Odell to replace Victor Cruz and Hakeem Nix. You want to know what their defense is ranked in Odell's first two years, Brandon? Do you know what they ranked? 29th and 30th. Okay. Can you make the playoffs with that? Yeah, you can. Not very likely. Quarterbacks have made the uh, playoffs without good defenses. The point is, it's tough to do that. And the following year, he did when the defense improved. 
and he didn't do anything in the playoffs except for those two years. Again, you can't account for the team when he did have a. But you can't just playoff. say it's just. But these are the two biggest years. We could say, oh, what about everything else, dude? He did it on the biggest stage twice. He beat the best team ever that was not going to lose. The- you no, know, I got a question. I got a question, Brandon. Since we're gonna talk, let's let's talk a bit uh, a little. What if Wes Welker makes that catch in 2011? What happens? You probably win the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. No one wins the Super Bowl. Okay, so it does matter. The, those things do matter. I'm the, not, the, little, the little what ifs do matter when when we're at least measuring a Hall of Fame case. Like we can't just look straight at his win loss record and, and look at those other again, again, of, Losing me again. I don't want you guys to lose me again. I I laid out a lot of stuff for you. No, and, and I hear you. name those stats. I'm I'm giving you a to- this is their Hall of Fame career. It's the totality of what they've done. I'm not discrediting his Super Bowl runs. I said those were two great historic runs. I'm asking you, if you say those matter, then his 14 other years in the NFL do matter. And if those matter, then guess what? You were not good for 14 years and you were great for two years. That does not make you a Hall of Famer. And I think that's point blank period i think i don't know how you guys are missing that two because out of because years that's all you got got to show for it name me his coaches his last four years in the league pat Shermer, spagnola ben mcadoo and guess what the teams around him were not good either the draft saquon barkley to fix the running back problem guess what oh the offensive line is an absolute dumpster fire the years where they had obj the defense was hot garbage it was not bad it was one of the three worst in the nfl they were actually going up the most yards per game in 2015, the year where Eli, again, had a Pro Bowl caliber season, but they missed the playoffs. That was the only reason why he didn't make the Pro Bowl. Only four-time Pro Bowler, his team limited them. They didn't win enough games, but he produced with just one star on that offense. The only other one was Odell Beckham Jr. The rest of the receivers, Will Ty, Ruben Randall, those guys were fine role players that Eli elevated, my man. You look at those teams, Hakeem Nicks, two, three years was prime. Victor, Victor Cruz, two years Steve Smith, one year, he had 1,200 oh, yards. Okay. After that, it was all downhill. Talk about Plaxico Burst two years. What if he had gotten those guys for five, six seasons when the defense was consistently elite? I think we're looking oh, at a guy that made the playoffs seven or eight times, opposed to, what was number six? Maybe eight or nine. That's not Hall of Fame to me. Not Hall of Fame? You, you, but the best ability. What is the best ability? Availability. But yeah. also... You're on the field and you lead the league in interceptions three different times and you miss the playoffs 10 out of your 16 years. Guess what? Did he miss the playoffs or the Giants miss the playoffs? Because those teams were limiting themselves. It wasn't Eli. On the team, and was he not the leader of that team? Was their defense not some of those years one of the three worst in the NFL? Was his receivers that years, those years? Again, again, quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks have made the playoffs with bad uh, receivers and bad defenses. The two together? Eli never had that team consistently. 2016, there was points of it because the defense was much better. That's why they made the playoffs that year, opposed to 2015. They he he still had from 07 to 2000, whatever 2013. No, I'm not talking about receivers now. I'm talking about their D line. He had a consistent OCU Manura, Justin Tuck, Michael Strahan, and then transferred into a Limbaugh Joseph, Chris Canty, and JPP. Like that was consistent. Yeah, and you see that what happened with his talent when when his he talent made it those two years, and then what did he do those other years? Okay, 
like I said, consistent talent around him. If I mean, he I never think, had that. I think that's a major success that between 07 and 2012, you win two Super Bowls. I think that's incredible. And, and then he doesn't do anything else. Okay, because the Giants didn't do anything that's else, my, my friend. His coach that's my point. His, his performance come playoff time and even regular season was no, it wasn't. It was top except ten. Oh, no, except for those two years, no, it wasn't. Except um, I guess. Years. Listen, I, I don't believe I, I sit here and uh, and I'll stand by wins not entirely being a QB stat. Again, uh, his record isn't indicative of his performance. Um, unfortunately. Yeah, but his performance is indicative of his performance because they're not very good. Look, look, moments matter. He has all the moments. Longevity matters. Availability matters. He has all those things. Super Bowls matter more than anything else. And guess what? Only four other players have as many Super Bowl MVPs as him. So put some respect in the guy's name because guess what? His record will forever be 2-0 against your boy Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Never. One his winning percentage was 0%. Now, I didn't make a mistake before. I said Eli's winning percentage was 75%, which is Ron Math at 66%. 66% playoff winning percentage is pretty damn good, especially when he's 2 0 in the Super Bowl, played for one franchise, didn't have to cheat, had the humility, and most of all, was the Giants' best quarterback. He brought stability for over a decade. That is what the franchise desperately needed. And for all we know, he may be the Giants' best quarterback for the next 20 years. You know, uh, after he retired, look at what the team has been. Had they made the playoffs since he retired? I don't think so. But look what they did when they had him. They won two Super Bowls. And in 2000, when they made it, Kara Collins goes zero touchdowns, four interceptions. They get smacked by the Baltimore Ravens. And next time they're there with that great defense, they get the talents. Eli was the one that took them over the top because they finally had a true Hall of Fame quarterback. One that most of the occasion, made the biggest plays, had magical moments, and most of all, was able to read the defense and make the proper throws. Playing in New York. So before we wrap this one up and, and then we Absolutely. start talking about our draft class, as the only New Yorker in this chat, I'm going to say uh, Eli Manning is up there with Derek Jeter as far as the love in this city. New Yorkers really appreciate Eli Manning. There's not too many people more beloved than him when it comes to stuff that he's done also in the community. And on the field, um, Walter play, not, Walter uh, Payne Man of the Year, Brian, want to mention? Yeah, that. And, and that's what I'm gonna say. So, not to even just get too deep. I know we're talking about stuff on the field, but Eli's a Hall of Famer to me, both on and off the field. So we'll agree to disagree. On his listen, listen, Eli Manning is a okay in my book. <laughs> yeah, you just can't accept the fact you smack y'all in the Super Bowl. Too soon, still. So. <laughs> that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Oh, so, fellas, let's let's jump into it, man. We so we spent a lot of time talking about Eli, but I really think we could look at 2019's wide receiver draft class as I think in in a couple of years we're gonna say, man, this might be one of the greatest wide receiver cores of all time. We got names like Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, DK, and very underrated Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh. We got Hunter Renfro. And my boy Nikhil Harry, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm like, over that him. One's that one's rough. So you got Hollywood Brown, Debo Samuel, McCole Hardman, Darius Slayton, and just throwing in Paris Campbell. And there's so many more that we can. Travis Fulgham, yeah. What the heck? There we go, Travis. Well, there's there's a, a oh, lot of talent. Let's throw in uh, Gunnar Olefs, Olefs, whatever the hell. Oshevsky. 
Was he 20? Awesome. I thought he was 2018. I thought he was undrafted. <laughs> no, he was a John I think he was this year. Oh, okay. That's, a but, pro, that's an all pro, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of busts in this class, too. I mean, to rub some salt into the wound for Eagles fans out there, J.J. Arcego Whiteside was the 57th pick over, uh, I don't know, Terry McLaurin. Deontay Johnson was picked after him. And so was uh, D.K. Metcalf or Hunter Renfro. So Hunter, though, was like a fifth round pick. So I won't hold it against Philly. But hey, I mean, A.J. Brown now is pretty good. Sorry to cut you off, Justin. No, it's all good. So, guys, I want you guys to break it down. Give me your. I don't care. Top three, top five, top seven. I'm gonna give you my top. Look at this draft class. Top ten. I got oh. AJ Brown as the best receiver from this class. It's gonna be a hot take to people because have the best production. I'll get to that guy in a moment. Terry McLaurin, number two. Debo no. Samuel, number ah. three. Deontay Johnson, number four. DK Metcalf, number five. I tussled with those two. I think it's tough. I priced in what Deontay can be in a ceiling compared to what DK has already shown. Six. I got Hunter Renfro, seven, Hollywood Brown, eight, these are just the NFL players, Darius Slayton, nine, McCole Harmon, and then 10, my guy, Travis Fulgham. That was fun, fun little run he had. You know, like, uh, what was it, Terry at number two? I oh, think Ebo at number three. Uh, I, think he oh. and, I think he and San Francisco are the perfect fit. And if you throw him into a different offense, in most cases, he's not having, what was it, 600 yards he had last year? I don't think that can be replicated in most other places. I look at Terry and I say to myself, he hasn't had the quarterback consistently. I mean, look at all the quarterbacks he's had. Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke, Ryan Fitzpatrick for a game, Kyle Allen. It's been a constant rotating cycle. He's also a year and a half younger than Debo. I think he's more adorable. I think there's even more upside to tap into a Terry. And with A.J. Brown, it's to me a similar story. The, the production has consistently been there, but he's been a run-heavy offense. It hasn't been the focal point of A.J. Brown you're talking about Ryan Tannehill before he's, he saw all these good, what, top 20, t- top what, 17th, 16th best quarterback in the game, maybe 14 on a good day. A.J. Brown had 1,000 yards almost in his first three seasons. And I think in terms of yards after the catch, the, the contested grabs, yeah. A.J. Brown is just a different animal. I look at Debo and I say, yeah, he had the highest peak this last season, but I don't think the longevity with him is really going to be there. I worry about the injuries, and I don't know if he can necessarily sustain that. It's not because uh, the contract stuff and not signing little kids autograph. I just think he and San Francisco are the perfect match. And look at Deontay. He can do this stuff in other places, but sorry. Hit no, me. I don't know. I, I think, I think, um, I mean, the injuries are a concern, obviously, especially with the workload he has. Um, I don't agree with you that if um, just because he's in San Francisco, he's doing what he's doing. I think if any smart team, smart coach, would see Debo has this talent that he can run the ball and catch the ball. Like I think you would be a stupid head coach and should be fired immediately. If you couldn't tell that when you're watching Debo Samuel play. This is Cal uh, Shanahan. Yeah, I understand. Kyle How Shanahan. many coaches can do what Cal Shanahan can do with that running game? That's just a turnstile with the running backs. And if you with the receivers too, they may get thrown in the doghouse, but I mean, Debo's no, the I'm, perfect fit for them. I don't think he no, can do I understand, I understand that, but they would still use him similarly that the way Kyle Shannon, like they would run the ball with him. They'd throw the ball to him on screens. They'd use him as a regular receiver. Like they would, st- you know, they do the freaking hundred motions in one play and this guy goes here, whatever the hell, you know, they, they, they would do it because we're starting to see like um, the coach in his uh, division, um, Super Bowl champion coach, Sean McVay, Sean McVay. He, would, he would be able to use him easily. Um, but that's a, you know, there, that, that, that's not the debate. I just think Debo is the best receiver in this class because of what he can do on the ground 
and uh, in the air. Um, I, I just, I love the production. And you mentioned quarterbacks with, you know, the other guys. I mean, people say me, I Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that's not. Same not level much. as Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, it's not, it's not doing well. Um, but I'll just give you, give you my rankings. Um, sure. I got Debo number one, AJ number two, AJ Brown number two, DK Metcalf number three, Terry McLaurin, say it again. McLaurin, number four, Deontay Johnson, number five, Marquise Brown, number six, Hunter Renfro, number eight, and then Darius Slayton, number, uh, I don't know what I said, Hunter Renfro, number seven, Darius Slayton, number eight, and then I got these other three, but Nikhil Harry's at the bottom of my list because he's. Do you have a a gap? Do you have like Gunnar Gunnar Olszewski in that one gap with that Nikhil Harry? I would take Gunnar Olszewski over Nikhil Harry. Justin, let's hear your list. Uh, no more Nikhil Harry talk. We're done talking about it. <laughs> I'd like to mention somebody, uh, another Patriots player, who, although he wasn't drafted, but he's a part of the uh, – he was an undrafted free agent for the New England Patriots. I'd like to highlight Jacoby Myers being on that list. I think uh, he showed a lot over his last two seasons. Possession receiver – Nowhere near as good as Hunter Renfro, but definitely a reliable target. He's turned in. Who would have thought that coming out of that draft, once the Patriots filled out their roster, that Jacoby Myers would still be, you know, he would be the guy over Nikhil Harry. Everybody thought Nikhil Harry was going to be our big number one guy. I did not. I did not. Same. Nobody thought that this former college quarterback. No, I'm saying I did not believe Nikhil Harry was going to be anything special in the NFL. Did you- I expected a little something. I mean, more production than what we had. So I had more for Justin. I had more faith in Aaron Dobson when we drafted him than this guy. Okay. Oh, I just like to shout out Jacoby. But number one, I'm with Brandon. I got Debo. I think he's the most dynamic receiver in the game. One, this is a, I love this conversation because I'm a big fantasy football geek. So when I look at players on this list, Debo Samuel is one of the number one guys I'm going for. Number two. I'm going to go A.J. Brown, what he did with the Titans offense, whenever he is on the field. Some of the catches he made this past season, unreal. This guy, is, I can't believe that he's no longer on the Titans. Philadelphia, celebrate now, man. You guys got an absolute steal at wide receiver to pair with Jalen Hurts. Number three, I love Scary Terry, man. I love Scary Terry. Unfortunately, his quarterback has never been anything to, to – to parade about honestly i would have loved to see ryan fitzpatrick healthy with the washington well football team at the time now the commanders because i feel like a gunslinger in the pocket with terry mclaurin i think he would have went easily for over 1300 yards maybe maybe even more that guy would have gotten so many looks number four i got dk just got to give a little love to dk i think uh he's one of the most explosive receivers in the game I mean, he he had some moments where he kind of like disappeared last season, but I think overall his talent level is just above so many. Number five, I got your boy Deontay. I think Deontay is one of the most underrated wide receivers in football, easily. And hopefully if Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky, whoever the hell his quarterback is, can feed them the ball, this guy should be... We might relook at re relook at this next season, and he might be number three. He's gonna be better than DJ or DK. Sorry, See, so that's what I'm saying. I, I, I want to jump in after you to say there's something. Some, there's some wiggle room there, bro. So believe me, I got you. I got love for your boy. And number six, Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro really just turned on the Jets this past season with Derek Carr and them. And he deserved his payday. 
This guy is, is an incredible possession receiver. He runs routes. He will break anybody's ankles out there. Man, I, I, I wish he was a Patriot. I'm so jealous. He, he just feels like the perfect guy for a Patriot system. But then we'll never see that, unfortunately. Josh McDaniels uh, stole that for forever. I like Hollywood Brown, number seven. He had uh, little issues with the drops, but overall, he's been Baltimore's number one receiver number one receiver over the last couple of years number eight i got mccall hardman and number nine i love darius slayton i just feel like he doesn't have the quarterback play to really jacoby myers i didn't even know he's in this class you'll have to put jacoby with both those guys yeah so i and jacoby myers is right there too honestly i might even just switch that up with jacoby eight mccall nine Darius. i I don't think mccall like you're playing with pat mahomes and andy Reid's system you're playing the best receiver in the nfl last year and he wasn't a receiver number two he sure is the return guy. He can be very good at that. Great at that. But you're also playing on Travis Kelsey. And if you can't fill the role of number two in that offense, how good are you exactly? That That's my question. If you can't fill that void. Speaking of Deontay Johnson, he's not produced at the same level of DK. And in year two, when DK had over 1,100 yards, it was because of drops with Deontay. He had almost 15 in that season. He would have had it over 1,000 the last two years if it weren't for them. He started to clean it up last year. Toward the end of the year in December, it's not that he can't catch, it's concentration stuff, where he's trying to make a play before he's got the ball. To me, the reason why he will have a better career than DK is that he's a more dynamic route runner and receiver. Look at Russell Wilson, one of the three, four, five best deep ball throwers in the NFL, and you compare that to Big Ben, who didn't have the mobility, the the under, what do you want to call it, the lower body strength to hit Deontay deep. All of Deontay's stuff came short under routes. The yards after catch stuff is low, not because Deontay is incapable of running deep, gain separation, and making a big-time play 40 yards down the field. No, it was that Ben Roethlisberger typically could not connect with him on those plays. Now DK is going to have one of Geno Smith or Drew Locke throwing the football. Last year, that was not very pretty in the three games he played without Russell Wilson. And I, I don't think long-term, he's going to have the same production as a Deontay as Johnson's. DJ's going to have better quarterbacks around him. And I think at the receiver position, you're looking for the most dynamic route runner, the guy who can create space, He's hard to bring down. DK is giant, but Deontay is so slippery. To me, he's going to be better than DK. And I think DK is overrated. I think he's good. It's cool to show him this love, but I mean, how many quarterbacks get to start their career playing with Russell Wilson, who fits your exact skill set so well? I don't sure. think if you put him in Pittsburgh, DK is... You look at Chase Claypool, I think DK would be a little bit better than him if he was in Pittsburgh. And to me, you know, Deontay's mm-hmm. already way ahead way more advanced than chase and i think those two players chase and dk are similar guys see i'm i'm lower on dk man honestly if you put hunter renfro over him i wouldn't bat an eye to be honest i gotta keep it a buck i like I'm hunter you. i'm with you brandon makes a funny faces still uh, no i i just i mean i don't know i think i wouldn't i wouldn't i just think the explosiveness and the athletic ability of DK, the, the raw talent of DK is just something you can't teach. And it's just, I mean, he, he's a. You can't teach what any of these guys do. All right. these guys have their own unique blend. As no, I understand, I understand that, but I'm just saying his raw athleticism and stuff, you can't, you can't teach that. You can't teach a guy to jump higher, really. But you can say the same thing to Deontay with his elusiveness and how hard he no. is to track with his. Slippery movement and route running. He's got more dynamic. Well, route running, that. you can route running. You can learn over time. You can harness your craft. Well, DK hasn't been able to develop that. No, I'm, I didn't say that, and that that's an indictment on him. But I mean, you, you want to look look at Randy Moss. He wasn't this 
had an insane route tree. I mean, he could run the routes, but he didn't really want to. It was really post and go, and that's it, and a screen pass here and there. So, I mean, and he's a freaking Hall of Famer, second greatest receiver of all time, so that's a pretty successful career, if you ask me. You hit me hard with that, Randy Moss. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty. I don't I mean, think. I don't think DK is more you know, better uh, 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 comparison because of their builds, but you know. Yeah, I think Randy. I mean, is it's friggin' Randy Moss? I, I feel like when we look at DK, long term, do you think the production is going to stick without Russell Wilson? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Do you think he's going to be like a consistent thousand yard guy? Because I think Deontay certainly will be from here on out for the next four or we'll five see, years. We'll, even if he's we'll not in Pittsburgh, if he gets we'll better. Quarterback. You can argue that Tyler Lockett is the best receiver out there in Seattle. The case for that. I mean, we'll we'll see what he does without this quarterback. It's his first year without a quarterback, so he's going to have to, you know, show that he doesn't need a quarterback to get the type of production, you know, to really enter his name into that stratosphere. I look same at guys like with, uh, Go ahead. No, what were we saying? Same with Devontae Adams. I mean, now he's without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Derek Carr's a pretty good quarterback, but, you know, let's see if the if the productivity, you know, falls off a little bit. You got that college yeah. connection, too. We'll say yeah, and I'm with you there. I, I look at Devontae Adams in some games when Aaron Rodgers is out. That guy is a ghost. He doesn't see, see anything. He doesn't see any targets. And yeah. they're all, all contested, and he's not be able to make the plays. And that's not a knock on him. That's a knock on the quarterback. I mean, I don't know if DK has it in him to, to be anything like an Andre Johnson that was just absolutely eating. Regardless. I mean, he will. I will say, I will say he, he does kind of make it easier on the quarterbacks because – I mean, just throw it up. Very true. But still, I, I, I'm not – I got love for his raw talent, but I'm, I'm with you guys that his route tree, you know, it, it's limited. Yeah. 1,300 yards in year two is still insane. But I just think in terms of fit, yeah, I mean, not every – not none of these guys are the guy at the level of Russell freaking – Keep saying the word freaking it's it's Russ and then he's top six quarterback consistently with this guy and you compare that to everything Terry's had Ryan Tannehill, Doc Hodges, Mason Rudolph, Aging Ben, Derek Carr is the only one that comes close to that and Lamar Jackson too but he's a limited throw of the football in those years of Marquise. So yeah, man, ah, Debo to me is not the best receiver from this class. I think he can do the most per se, but I don't think that can be replicated so easily in every scheme. I just think. The scheme fit is a perfect match for San Francisco. That's just me. I love Debo. I'm, I need him for fantasy football. I need yeah. him. I draft him like deep. If he goes to Carolina or Pittsburgh, I'm saying to myself, eh, I don't know if that production's sticking, man. No, you're right. You're right. It it all depends on scheme. But the good thing about Debo is that he can do so many things. I feel like maybe maybe he actually can work around any scheme. I mean, I think so. I think he can run. He can pass. I feel like it can translate. I don't think he'll be used at the the same amount that San Francisco uses him. I mean, that guy's on the field feels like ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there, fellas. I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, one of you guys have a trivia question for today. I got a trivia question. Let's hear it. Throwing it back a little bit. So here we go. He was a second-round pick in 2007. He went to Houston for college, first college career. Um, and give this away, but um, he was also 
traded a couple of years after he was drafted for a second round pick and a player. I don't want to mention the player because it might give it away. He was drafted by a team in the NFC East. Quarterback, by the way, if I didn't mention that, sorry. He's a, he's a quarterback? Quarterback. Houston Second quarterback, round. 2007. Second round pick. David Carr didn't go to Houston. That was the first name that came to mind. Played it, played it for a team in the NFC East. Yeah. He when he got East. drafted by a team in the NFC East. Played for two teams. Three. Three teams. Third one wasn't really. I feel like this is a Washington Redskin. He signed. So for his second team after he was gone for his first team, he signed a five-year, $63.5 million contract with that team. 2011 contracts. And only played 15 games for that team. Oh, my gosh. This is going to drive me crazy. All right. So he went from the NFC East to the NFC. West. He was a, he, all right, I'll, I'll give it because you guys are probably struggling right now. He was drafted by the Eagles. Oh my God. Kill me. Remember, it, he was traded for a second. Was it Kevin Cobb? Kevin Cobb. Oh, <laughs> no. I didn't know he went to Houston. Bro, okay. Oh, no, I, I always remember story. him for a turf toe. I've got a fun, wall, fun one for y'all. It's another quarterback. This is going to be, like, so difficult. I just have a feeling. From Arizona State. Oh, my God. Drafted in 2012. A lot of quarterbacks in this class. Second round pick. Currently, he is 31 years old. Is he still in the NFL? He was drafted by a team in the AFC. He won't tell us that. He's not in the NFL anymore. I didn't say that. AFC what? Is that too much? You haven't given us really a lot. so By a playoff team in the AFC in 2012. And he was the backup for the first three years of his career. In his fourth year. Oof, do I want to say this? Because that 2012 class, I'm pretty sure that was like the Christian Ponder, Jake Locker class, right? RG3, Andrew Luck. In his yeah. fourth year, he would help bring his team to the Super Bowl. And then would get a pretty big time payday that very same next summer. It's not Russell Wilson because he was a third round pick. Yeah, you know, Russ was a third round guy. He didn't guy. play at Arizona State either. So in that class, there was Andrew Luck, RG3. And then I think it was what Gabbert. That was 2011. They'll help you that out. Was the, okay, so those three were the year before Gabbert, Locker, and Ponder. It's not. It's it's. He it's stands not at six foot. He stands at six foot seven. It's not Kaepernick. And after the Texans signed him to the Super Bowl. Are you saying Brock Osweiler? 
It is indeed the rocket ship. He didn't lead that team. Yeah, when he sounds like... He helped bring them, he, I said. Yes, sure. I didn't right say lead. For like he didn't say games. lead. I said like help bring. Games. Well, he did help bring them in the playoffs. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah. Rock Osweiler. What a big payday that guy had, huh? I, I I wanted to use a nickname in there. Apparently, according to Football Reps web reference, one of them is a lobster. I thought Brocket Ship would be on there, but I guess not. The, lo- the lobster? Yeah. Who called him that? Football reference? <laughs> Man. Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler. Did he, beat the, he beat the Patriots that season in my eye. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't beat the Patriots. The defense. Though. No, no, he made some throws that day. Listen, bro, yo, go back and watch that game. I remember. Watch the highlights. Oh, I remember that. Why would I do that to myself, Justin? <laughs> Why would I want to relive that moment? You know, I used to think that Houston was gonna go off when they finally acquired. I was like, man, this this is potential. This is something that that might be potentially good for them, man. What, Brock Osweiler? Yeah, that works out. Do you guys have a, a quarterback that you guys think of right now that you thought was going to have a fantastic career? RG three. Um, he was going to be a, he was going to be a problem. RG three, if he stayed healthy, dude. I always was in love with the name Ponder, the last name. I thought it was a really cool last name. So when I was a little kid, I liked Christian Ponder. <laughs> Ponder's a cool ass name, I think. It is. It's a it cool is. You're pondering. You're pondering. You're I look pondering. at Sam Bradford, man. Bradford. I don't think I don't think he was that bad. I just think he could have stayed on the field. He was a starting caliber quarterback. But yeah. For a number one overall pick. And he went to the St. Louis Rams, and the St. Louis Rams were just god awful. Yeah. He was nice that one year in Minneapolis. I think replacing what was it Teddy B. Mm-hmm. He was good in Minnesota too. Yeah, that's how I meant Minneapolis. I think I said. Oh, man, I thought you said Indianapolis. Uh my fault. Yeah, he fought the NFL in completion at seventy-two. Was yeah. that his last stop? I know he was in Arizona. No, yeah, he spent a year in Arizona after that as a backup. And that was it. Yeah. The other guy, um, and that's gonna be a future uh, trivia guy. Yeah, I won't say his name. <laughs> so I'll never cool. get him. That's the thing. I'll never get him, dude. He's a Mac. He's a Mac guy that spent his career playing the AFC North. So, are you gonna save that for the next, the next show? Okay. Johnny Manziel. Yep. Yep. Johnny Football. Well, I actually pretty. I always love watching his highlights. I did too. I, I, really, I really wish he would have succeeded in the NFL, dude, because he would have been just fun to watch. I wish oh. it wasn't a first round pick. If he was like a fourth or a fifth, and like there wasn't so much expectation, I feel like hey, what, dude, he would have been Yeah, they'll do any anything stupid. So yeah. they drafted Brandon Whedon. It's like I was running that football team. Brandon Whedon and Josh Gordon. Dude, tell me if you remember this guy, bro, from Jacksonville, Justin Blackman. Oh my gosh. He was a freaking a problem, dude. And then he became he was an alcoholic and, and then he legit became a problem. Yes. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, but dude, good. that one game when him and Andre Johnson went for like both went for over two hundred yards receiving. It was insane, bro. Justin oh. Blackman is insane. Mind you, that was like a top five pick. Oh yeah. 
man. He was physical as all hell. He was a beast, man. So much potential. There's so many receivers that we can go down. We should do that for another day. Martinez Bryant. <laughs> but, guys, we're going to close this up. That was episode six of The Wise Guys. Please do us a favor. Like, reach out for us. Follow us on our on our socials. That'll we're, be linked. John's in charge of all that stuff. We're on all audio platforms. Wherever you get it, Google, Spotify. I think we're on Stitcher. All that fun stuff. Apple, you know the deal. In the description. See you guys. We'll catch you next time for episode seven. Stay classy. Wow.